Hey folks, welcome to episode 93 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. So we've had a few weeks off, so there's a lot to get through this week. Uh, Not only is there lots of security updates to talk about, but we have just had the uh, most recent Ubuntu release, uh, Ubuntu Groovy Gorilla 20.10 release go out. Uh, That happened just uh, eight hours ago now. So yeah, lots to talk about this week. And actually there was uh, a a report from the NSA as well about uh, the most widely exploited uh, vulnerabilities uh, via various Chinese state-based actors. And I did want to have a chat about that as well too. So yeah, lots to get through this week. So uh, we're going to dive just straight into it. Uh, So there were 74 CVEs that uh, were addressed in the past few weeks uh, since uh, the last Ubuntu Security Podcast episode. I'm not obviously going to go through them all, but I do want to have a talk about, uh, I guess, some of the more uh, high-profile ones. Uh, First up was an update to Samba, and this follows on from uh, the initial update that we did for the zero logon vulnerability. And I talked about this uh, back in the last episode. Basically, there we had done kind of um, an initial update that uh, basically disabled uh, this less secure protocol. And so these are follow-up patches that not only disable it by default, but actually allow you to, if you really want to, you can go and enable it for just particular machines. Um, Just, you know, if you need to use that sort of insecure protocol just to communicate with them, um, uh, and it also does certain hardening updates as well so that you know if you do have people running that proof of concept against your Samba uh, servers, they shouldn't be, be able to be uh, you know, taken down or anything like that as well. So yeah, that was an update for Samba. We had an update for NTP as well, uh, two CVEs uh, that were for uh, the NTP release in Ubuntu 18.04 long-term support. That's the Bionic Beaver. Uh, this was a fix for the previous uh, CVE 2018-7182. So in that case, uh, it actually, the fix introduced now a null pointer dereference, and uh, this has been recently discovered. And so this could be triggered by a malicious client and cause a denial of service. There was an update as well for Brotly. I mentioned this because uh, it's not actually a package that I don't think we've talked about before in the podcast. So I wanted to, to talk about this one. It was one CVE that affects Ubuntu releases 16.04, 18.04 and 20.04 long-term support. Uh, this is a compression library uh, or, and tools as well uh, that come from Google. And it was initially designed uh, for text compression, particularly for the use of web fonts and things like that. Uh, and in this case, there was a buffer overflow uh, due to an injury overflow if you're using the one-shot decompression option and so if you're then you know processing attacker controlled data as you usually do with web fonts uh, because you're you know downloading these fonts directly from their uh, attacker controlled web server you know you are now a little bit safer and actually talking about fonts from untrusted web servers uh, we have got something else to talk about there a little bit later as well but moving on uh, we had an update for url lib 3 in this case there was possible uh, line feed injection if an attacker can control the request method Method that's then used in a recall to uh, URL lib3 uh, the request method and so in that case they can you know inject additional uh, host and remainder parameters and things like that uh, along with line feeds to uh, you know put them on new lines and that can then cause the request to misbehave and go off to you know a separate host or wherever you know somewhere that you didn't actually expect it to go to so if you are uh, you know a if your code is structured the way you're using URL lib3 such that the you know, a user or attacker can control the request method, you're now a bit safer. There was an update as well for Spice. Uh, this was for uh, Ubuntu releases 14.04 extended security maintenance, 16.04, 18.04 and 20.04 long-term support. 
uh, one CVE here um, and Splice is the protocol that's used for doing remote virtual machine access. It's used uh, in particular, you know, if you're using say QMU uh, and you've got a local console viewing that, you know, Splice is used for that, but you can actually use it over the network as well. And it's not just used for viewing, but it's used for doing things like uh, USB device pass through and all of that kind of stuff as well. And in this case, though, it was related to the viewing part. Uh, there were multiple buffer overflows in the decoding of the QIC uh, image compression algorithms. And this affected both the client and server side. So, you know, you could have your you know, virtual machine server uh, attacked via this, or obviously your, you know, a malicious server could attack clients. And this is the kind of thing that could cause a likely denial of service, but potential remote code execution. Uh, next up, we had some kernel updates. And so these were uh, released nearly two weeks ago now, uh, but I wanted to talk about them in particular because there was one uh, vulnerability here that uh, the kernel team worked uh, quite quickly to add in. Uh, it was for uh, the DCCP protocol and it mishandled the reuse of sockets leading to a use after free. And so this fix was rolled in then for kernel updates for all of our supported releases. That is, uh, say, the 2004 long-term support kernel, which is the hardware enablement kernel for 1804 long-term support. Also for the 1804 long-term support kernel, which itself is used as the hardware enablement kernel for the 1604 long-term support. And uh, optionally, you can actually use it on uh, the 1404 uh, ESM in certain environments. And there was also uh, the 1604 kernel itself, which is again used as the hardware enablement kernel for 1404 extended security maintenance. And we also did an update for uh, the 14.04 kernel itself, which is then also used if you are still running 12.04 extended security maintenance with hardware enablement, you also have that. And so this vulnerability, this DCCP protocol uh, mishandling was fixed in all of those kernel releases. Uh, the idea here is uh, a local user can use these DCCP um, protocol sockets and they can essentially cause the kernel uh, to you know, trigger this use after free bug and then possibly get uh, root code execution in the kernel depending on how they can manipulate memory and all the, uh, the rest of it. Uh, that can obviously then lead to privilege escalation and off you go. They, then a local user now has admin on your machine. This was reported directly to Canonical and we worked with the upstream kernel developers on resolving this. Uh, so thanks you know, to everyone, particularly uh, at Canonical on the kernel team who were involved with that. Uh, but unfortunately, it didn't end there. We then had to, um, or the kernel team, should I say, had to respin emergency kernels for uh, another security update. And this was the bleeding tooth vulnerability. Uh, this was announced by Intel, unfortunately not without much, uh, without much notice. And so distros and the like didn't get much time, uh, much of a heads up on this. So again, yeah, the kernel team had just released the previous kernel update when this one came out. So then they worked quickly over uh, the weekend uh, and quickly spun up this. So uh, they released updates for the kernel in uh, 24 long-term support. Uh, 1804 long-term support for it as well. These were the ones that were affected because it only affected kernels 4.8 and above. And uh, yeah, the original, originally um, this was, this vulnerability was found by a Google uh, security researcher. They had mentioned on Twitter that um, there was likely to be a blog post that would provide more details, including a proof of concept, but uh, thankfully that got held back to give distros enough time to patch. So yeah, we have resolved that in uh, these affected Ubuntu releases. And in particular, this is the kind of thing, as I, as I say, that could relate to uh, root code execution as well. So thanks again to our kernel team for fixing that. Um, what else? We also had an update for free type. So I mentioned earlier that I would talk about um, font handling uh, issues, web fonts in particular. 
And so this was another vulnerability that was actually reported by Google. Uh, they reported this to the upstream uh, free type developers with a comment saying that it was being exploited in the wild. And so as you can imagine, uh, all the distros saw that and thought, well, all right, we better get our act into gear. We better patch this quickly. Uh, for Ubuntu, we patched this actually within uh, 16 hours of the original report being reported to the FreeType developers. So interestingly, you know, FreeType is a kind of library that has had vulnerabilities in it uh, over the years. And this one was actually related to a previous fix. So uh, there was a vulnerability in this particular function. It was fixed a few years ago. Uh, the fix for that was to add in some extra bounds checking, uh, essentially. And the fix for this vulnerability was to move those bounds checks uh, a few lines earlier in the function, because basically uh, you could still potentially get an integer overflow uh, where it was being used in this case, because the check wasn't happening early enough. And so yeah, it's interesting that this vulnerability has existed for a few years and kind of was um, introduced as an incomplete fix really for the previous vulnerability find. But yeah, that was fixed for free type in Ubuntu releases 16.04, 18.04 and 20.04 long-term support. And in particular, yeah, because Google was seeing this exploded in the wild, again, this is related to web font handling in particular because your browsers are now you know downloading fonts from websites and rendering them and things and so yeah more untrusted input going into these sorts of libraries all right um so that takes it to the end of this week in vulnerability updates that i'm going to talk about uh just very briefly we also had updates for uh the lib ap rec 2 package uh tomcat the con ruby gem uh ruby rack K Ramdown, uh, yours, Rack Cores, Apache Tika, Open Connect, Cyrus IMAP Server, Open DMARC, Vino, uh, the Golang libseccomp package, uh, DOM4J, there was a Python update, uh, there was even a couple of vulnerabilities fixed in Vim, PHP, ContainerD, DockerD, and it goes on and on. Uh, so yeah, if you want more details, they are listed in the show notes. And as always, you can go and check out ubuntu.com slash security slash notices for all the latest uh, security notices, or you can subscribe to the Ubuntu Security Announce mailing list if you want to get uh, real-time updates for when they are released. All right, so moving on. As I said at the start of this week's episode, I wanted to have a chat about this uh, recent report from the NSA on the 25 most exploited CVEs by Chinese state-based actors. And uh, so I had a look at this and looking at it, uh, most of the vulnerabilities either affect network gateway devices. Um, so these are the kind of things that you know are your VPN endpoints and things like that, their appliances. Uh, they are you know, from the big companies like uh, F5 and the like, um, or these vulnerabilities apply to Windows. And so you can imagine you know, if you are a state-based actor, you're trying to you know, exploit um, different corporations and things, yet you're gonna go after their network gateway devices, or you're gonna be sending, say, phishing emails to their users who are all running Windows. But I did see in this list one that applied to open source software for Linux. And that was uh, CVE 2018-6789, and this applied to Exim. The CVE was uh, publicly announced back on the 7th of February in 2018, and that was on the OSS security mailing list. Uh, in Ubuntu, we patched that uh, within five days. So on the 12th of February, we released our update for all the affected releases. So this is the kind of thing that distros patched a very long time ago, yet uh, the NSA are still seeing this being exploited and to the point where you know they are notifying people, hey, you, know, you need to patch this. Uh, it was interesting looking back at this that the OSS security post where uh, the researchers announced it, said that they were unsure of the severity and they thought an exploit was difficult. 
but if we go back and do a bit more research, then on the 6th of March, so a month later, uh, the researcher who found this uh, did a very detailed write-up and they provided a lot of low-level details about how you, know, you can exploit this, being uh, this was a heat-based buffer overflow, so they kind of talked about how you need to massage the heap and all of that, uh, but they didn't actually provide a proof of concept. But as I say, it was very detailed and so it's the kind of thing that you could read through and then uh, write your own proof of concept in doing so. And so it didn't take too long for that to happen. The first public proof of concept that I could find uh, was then released on the 2nd of May. So uh, a few, a couple months later again. So this is the kind of vulnerability that there has been a public proof of concept available uh, for, for over the last two years. And so I guess it's not surprising that we're seeing it being uh, exploited in such a high amount. I guess what is interesting to me is, uh, are there other XM vulnerabilities that also have you know, public proof of concepts that aren't being exploited? In this case, actually, this isn't the only proof of concept. There's actually a separate one up on ExploitDB. Uh, there's a company that's put a few up on GitHub as well. So uh, yeah, there are lots of proof of concepts available for this. So the kind of thing that you could probably easily weaponize. Is that what makes this one, I guess, more, um, you know, is that why this one is being exploited more than others? I wonder maybe have other distros not patched it um, or you know that that's pretty unlikely given I guess the high profile nature of this and of Exim itself. Uh, I then also wonder maybe there are lots of installs of Exim out there that are maybe built directly from source that have never been updated or maybe people are you know running Exim out of old Docker images that aren't getting updated and actually so I went and had a look at Docker Hub and there are lots of different Exim images on there, most of which haven't been updated uh, for the past year or more. Uh, some of these have 50,000, 100,000 users, but there is uh, you know, the primary Exim image on there, which has over 5 million users, actually got updated just nine days ago. So maybe it's not that either. Um, but what I guess it shows me really is that if you are getting your Exim from a trusted upstream like Ubuntu or other distros uh, that are patching these, you know, you are patched, you're protected. You know, you wouldn't be getting exploited by this. Um, so yeah, just interesting, I guess, to see what other kind of things that do get exploited and maybe why. And I guess if you're listening to this uh, and if you have thoughts on maybe, you know, why this is, you know, the, the one that is being exploited over others, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, so as usual, you know, email us securityubuntu.com or, you know, the other contact methods that I will mention at the end of the episode. But before then, I did want to have a quick chat also about uh, the recent release of Ubuntu 2010 Groovy Gorilla. So this is a um, standard support release that is supported for nine months. Uh, the kind of thing that I guess is an interim release on the way to the next long-term support release, which will be 22.04 in uh, April of uh, 2022. Uh, so yeah, this release rolls in, uh, I guess, a bunch of kind of transitionary sort of features. Uh, there's things like uh, when you install now, the installer allows you to authenticate to an active directory. Uh, so you know, if you're in a corporate environment or something like that, that's really cool. Uh, there's improvements to things like ZFS handling and the like. Uh, the IP tables backend has been switched to NF tables. This is the release uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago that also includes AppArmor 3. So yeah, lots of cool stuff that have gone into Groovy and that will you know, make its way as well then into 2204, as I said. Uh, so yeah, this is now also being officially supported by the Ubuntu security team. So we will be doing security updates for this release for the next nine months as well. All right, and that takes us to the end of this week's episode. So as usual, if you would like to get in contact with us on any of your feedback, uh, you can reach the team at securityubuntu.com. 
We also hang out in the Ubuntu Harden channel on irc.freenode.net. Uh, there is the security section on discourse.ubuntu.com that you can go and you know, create a topic there and discuss as well. And finally, if you want to find us on Twitter, we are at Ubuntu underscore sec on Twitter. Okay, so thanks everyone for listening again for another week. It has been great to do this all again for you. And I will be back with you next week. But remember, until then, keep calm because we've got your back. All right, bye.